Hello, and welcome to the Keepers of the Flame podcast. This is a show to shine a light into the darkness, to empower women, their support networks, and our communities to weather breast cancer, because together we weather the storm. But on this ocean, every wave brings you closer to home. Hello and welcome back to Keepers of the Flame podcast. I'm Joyce Williams, your host, and this is episode number 20, Genetic Counseling with a special guest, Zoe Siegel. In this episode, we're going to talk about understanding one's genetics just a bit more. We did an episode, podcast number 10, where we talked about basic genetics, but today we're going to dive a little bit further into this understanding about genetics, get a better understanding of what genetic counseling is, who could benefit from going, why it matters, and what you can expect when you go. I'm really excited about today's episode because I just love biology and genetics is one of my favorite subjects within biology. So to have with us here today, Zoe Siegel, who is an oncology genetic counselor at the Anderson Cancer Institute at Memorial Health Medical Center in Savannah, Georgia. To have her here with us to talk about some of these things is just an incredible opportunity for us all. Zoe got her undergraduate degree in biopsychology. She graduated cum laude at Wagner College on Staten Island, New York. She got her master's of science degree in genetic counseling from the University of South Carolina School of Medicine in Columbia, and then she did her clinical rotations in cancer genetic counseling at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte and Greenville Hospital Systems in Greenville, South Carolina. I am super excited to welcome her to our show today to talk about one of my all-time favorite subjects, but also in talking about how it applies to our understanding of cancer so that we can all be a little bit more informed, know our bodies, and know our risk factors that much more. Thank you so much for joining us and coming on to talk to us today, Zoe. We're really happy to have you here. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I know I've already said this before, but I love biology, and I'm only a little bit biased, but I specifically love genetics within the field of biology. But for those that don't even know what that is, let's start at the very beginning. Genetics. What is genetics? Well, genetics is the study of traits and how they're passed on through families. So it's the study, the study of inheritance. And that, mm-hmm. that's basically, it's that part of biology where they did those little Punnett squares. Yep. And do you ha- are you tall? Are you short? Do you have brown eyes, blue eyes, whatever? And basically everything about you is coded for in your DNA, which is inherited from mom and dad. So, yep. And that's genetics. So now, in general, because we'll dive into this here as the podcast goes on, but in general, what on earth does genetics have to do with cancer? So we know that all cancer is genetic because it's caused by different mutations in our genes. Most of the time, these mutations happen after birth. So it's not something that a person was born with. Mm-hmm. And the mutations are occurring in genes that are designed to help regulate the cell cycle and the normal progression of, of cellular development. 
So when these genes stop working, you can have abnormal cell growth, which results in cancer. Because that is cancer. Correct. Right. So cancer, mm-hmm. cancer is, on the cellular level, that uncontrollable growth of cells. So yes. when they don't get that message to in, the, in their life cycle to die off, that's, that's basically what cancer is. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And so then there are these certain, if something happens to the DNA that affects that cell cycle, that the code for that cell cycle, that's when cancer can develop. And it's either something that happens after birth or there are in some cases where you can inherit that gene. Uh, Yes. So for somebody that is born with a predisposition for cancer, it could mean that they were born with a mutation in one of those um, what we call tumor suppressor genes. Right. So let's backing it up here at the very, very beginning, because I'm going to spend the next probably four minutes shoving a semester worth of biology into four minutes here. So so backing it up, DNA. Most people have heard DNA codes for everything about you. It's that double helix, twisted ladder. Mm-hmm. And if you were to imagine like, okay, that's if you zoom in really, really close, that's what it looks like. But if you back up, then imagine like a string and you tie that string really, really, really tight, then you can make it into certain shapes. So little bow ties or... I like to think of socks because socks come in pairs. Those socks or bow ties, whatever you want to call them, those are your chromosomes. So when people hear chromosome and DNA, it's kind of more or less the same thing, right? Yeah, so our chromosomes are made up of DNA and other components, but primarily it's made up of DNA. Right. Okay, so the DNA gets wrapped around the histones and other stuff, as you said, and it, it makes those little shapes. And the important point about the chromosomes that I want to make here because it relates to inheritance, is the fact that human beings, we have 23 pair. Mm -hmm. We have a total of 46 chromosomes. That's why I like my sock analogy, (laughs) because you get 23 pairs of socks. You get the left one and the right one. So you get one from mom and one from dad. And then the gene, tell us the difference. So you hear all these words. You hear DNA, chromosome, gene. Tell us then what the gene is. So the genes are just smaller pieces of information. So there can be hundreds or thousands of different genes within a certain chromosome. Right. It's like a, it's like a, a particular segment of that DNA. Strand. Yes. So if you were to zoom back in on the chromosome and you see the double helix and you look at a particular segment. It's mm-hmm. like it's like a line in a storybook. It's not the entire book. Right. Right. Okay. So that's a gene. And the whole reason why I'm giving this crash course right now is because in regards to hereditary cancers, there are certain genes that can make you more susceptible or more predisposed. Is that how you say it? You are more predisposed. More to- susceptible works more- too. There you go. That's the vocabulary. <laughs> word. Okay. So Finishing up with our our, uh, biology 101 here, you have this picture of chromosomes and that they make these little bow ties or socks and that you have pairs, 23 Mm -hmm. pairs. That's important because when reproduction happens, when a human is formed, you have, you know, the sperm meets the egg. Well, the sperm has half, the egg has half, so that when they unite, you have the total number, number of 46. I like to picture it in terms of a karyotype. So can you tell us and explain what a karyotype is? Yeah, so a karyotype is, it's a representation of the chromosomes. So you can look at them under the microscope and, and line them up together. 
and it creates this image and we put, you know, it starts with chromosome one and then it goes all the way to X and Y chromosomes. Which is the 23rd pair. Yep. Right. Yep. So we just put them in order and you can and, view all of them. And it's like doing laundry. The socks come out of the dryer. You have to match them, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, you have to find the left and the right yellow sock and then you put it here and then the left and the right red one and you put it there. And what's cool is scientists actually know which chromosome is number two and yep. which one is number five. And then that 23rd pair, which you talked about before, is either XX if you're female mm-hmm. or XY if you're if you're male. And I want to make sure that I explain this whole picture here because a lot of people seem to think that in, in terms of breast cancer, like if you have a lot of breast cancer history in your family, that, that somehow they think that that genetic mutation travels down the maternal line. But as we'll dive into in a minute, some of these mutations, they're not on those sex chromosomes. They're on sock number 13 or 17 or whatever, those chromosomes. Mm -hmm. So can you help us just kind of get a better idea of why they can come down from the paternal or maternal line? We inherit our genes from, from both sides of the family. And even though men can have a predisposition for breast cancer, their risk is still going to look much different than a woman's risk. So sometimes we tend to overlook the male or the father side of the family, or maybe there's a lot of men on one side of the family, so we don't see a lot of breast cancer in those individuals. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a hereditary risk factor or one of these gene mutations on that side of the family. It it could come down from either the sperm mm-hmm. that has those right, 23 right. chromosomes or from the egg. And I like to point this out too because, okay, well, when I met you for the first time, we made a little map of my family tree, which we'll, we'll get to that again in a minute. But what I think is interesting in my particular situation and my story, and it's not the story for everybody, you know, everybody's is unique, but mine was like crickets when it came to breast or ovarian cancer. I didn't have any in there. Come to find out... After I was diagnosed with cancer and I was telling my family, hey, listen, I have this genetic mutation. You you might, you know, just be vigilant, be aware, know what's going on. Come to find out four generations back on my dad's side. So my dad's father's mother had breast cancer. So, I mean, did now, you know, we don't know for certain because it's possible that the mutation still came from my mom's side, but it's also plausible that it came down that paternal line, just going from one male to the next and just kind of not being noticed. Right. That's possible. We also can't rule out the possibility that it came from your mom's side either, because not everybody who has one of these gene mutations necessarily goes on to develop cancer. Right. Yes. And I'm glad that you said that too, because just because you have the genetic mutation does not mean that you're definitely going to get cancer, that it's you might be more susceptible to it, right. but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen. The only way to know for certain would be for them to do the genetic testing and to know, right? To know which side of the family the mutation right. came from. Yes. Right. But, I, but I'm glad that we're talking about this because I don't want people out there to think that it is solely on those sex chromosomes, like right. on that 23rd pair. With, so if you're XX, you know, like coming down from the, the female line only. Because it's not. There's the BRCA1 mutation and BRCA2 mutation. And BRCA1, I think, is on chromosome 17. And BRCA2 is on chromosome 13. Are there other mutations, too? 
So there are other genes that can increase the risk for breast cancer. Mm-hmm. The, the BRCA genes are the ones that we've been testing the longest, mm-hmm. and they do tend to be associated with the highest cancer risks out of all of the breast cancer genes, although other genes can still confer a pretty significant risk. Right. And not all of the genes that are associated, like the, the BRCA genes are associated primarily with breast and ovarian cancer risk, whereas some of these other genes might be associated with things like breast and colon cancer risk. Oh, okay. So okay. even if there is some other gene mutation in the family, it doesn't necessarily mean that the risks are going to be the same as somebody with a different genetic mutation. Okay. And so wanted to make sure that even though we're talking about hereditary cancers, people that get cancer does not mean that they have the mutation. One out of eight women can get breast cancer regardless of whether or not they have that mutation. Right. So only about 5 to 10% of women diagnosed with breast cancer will have a gene mutation that we can find with our testing or you can say will have a hereditary cause for their cancer. Right. And actually the majority of women diagnosed with breast cancer do not have a family history of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So in those cases, we, we typically think that there's, it's less likely that there's going to be some genetic or hereditary cause. Right. But we also look at factors like age. So was this person diagnosed with their cancer at an unusually young age than we might typically expect to see. That there might be a cause, for, a cause other than just that one out of eight. There might be reason to do genetic testing. Right, in that, in right. That. Okay, so we know that anybody can get breast cancer. It happens to one out of eight women. We also know now that there's this, there are some mutations that can make you more susceptible to developing the cancer, but that they're rare. Like it happens with five, I think it's I think you said 5 to 10% of patients. So very, very yeah. rare. So we would say 5 to 10% of women with breast cancer may have a hereditary cause. But then when we look at the overall general population, we know that about 1 in maybe 400 to 1 in 800 people okay. may have a, a BRCA mutation. So, so the mutation itself is actually very rare. It's rare, but when you have such a large population, I mean, there's millions of people in the United States, so even one in 400 is still going to be a lot of people. Right. Let's say you have the mutation. If you have the mutation and you're more susceptible to getting cancer, for example, my risk factor when it skyrocketed high. So I don't know, what is it, uh, the general population's risk is? So uh, about 12%. About 12%. And then with the, knowing that I had the mutation, mine skyrocketed up to an 84% chance within my within my lifetime. So that just kind of shows, okay, even though it, the mutation might be rare, if you have it, that's kind of giving you some indication of what your risk is, how right, it changes. Right, so it's, it's important to know this information because it does change how we follow somebody. If we know that their risk for breast cancer is significantly increased, then we can start their screenings at younger ages and screen them more frequently for breast cancer. And then we can also have separate discussions about risk reduction strategies. So there are ways to reduce the overall risk. Right. Okay, I want to dive into that here in just a minute as well. But before we move on, you had mentioned that Okay, so when we gave our crash course in biology, recognizing that the mutation can come from either side of the the family. And so men, too, can have this BRCA mutation. 
their risk for getting breast cancer isn't as high as women. But what what does it mean for a male with the BRCA mutation? It does increase their risk for breast cancer somewhat, but it's it's their risk is still going to be low. We know that these BRCA mutations are also associated with an increased risk for prostate cancer. So it does mean that they should discuss their, their screening options with their providers. Right. And I like to say, too, like knowing your, your genetic history can help your family members, too, know whether or not they need to be more at risk. So, I mean, I obviously have the mutation myself. So... I mean, that means that my siblings would have a 50% chance of having the mutation. So, you know, if my if my brother does the testing and he can know whether or not his children need to be at risk or not. Right. Before we continue on terminology here, I know I myself am guilty of saying this incorrectly all the time. And I probably will still say it wrong within this podcast. I will say I have the BRCA gene. That's not really what I should be saying. What what I mean to say when I say that is that I have the BRCA mutation in my gene. Can you explain why that is? Right. So we all have these BRCA genes. They're actually they're good genes. We want them working. They're they belong to that group of genes that we call tumor suppressors. So they're there to help protect us from things like cancer. But if somebody is born with a mutation or a change in one of those genes, then that DNA change may prevent the gene from working properly. So in that case, it it can't do its job to protect that person from cancer. And so that is what is increasing their risk. Right. It's okay. So everybody has the BRCA genes. It's just when you say, I have the BRCA gene, what you really mean to say is that you have the BRCA mutation in your gene, which prevents it from doing the job to stop that crazy cell growth Mm -hmm. of cancer. Yep. So who then can benefit from seeing a genetic counselor? So anybody with a strong family history of of cancer, and it doesn't have to be breast cancer. So other people may have multiple people in the family with colon cancer. That would be an indication. Different combinations of cancers like breast and ovarian cancer can run together together. If there's a family history of, of pancreatic cancer, you know, any, any, if you're worried about the family history, then definitely talk to your doctor about mm-hmm. the cancers in your family. And they can give you some more insight about whether they're suspicious of something and maybe send you to a genetic counselor. Do patients, I don't know if there's really a rhyme or reason to when they come to see a genetic counselor, do they typically come before they're diagnosed or after, or does it just depend? So I see people who are both newly diagnosed with cancer, people who were diagnosed with cancer several years ago, and people who've never had cancer before. The goal of genetic testing and also genetic counseling is to help identify those individuals who are at an increased risk for cancer before they develop cancer. Right. To help implement some of those screening options that may be available to them. Right. So that you can, because early detection is incredibly helpful. Right. That's right. where lives get saved is, is finding that early. So um, knowing your risk so that you know how to properly screen is definitely advantageous. Yep, ab- absolutely. So for me, um, everything happened a little bit unusually. I, as I said, I didn't have a family history for breast or ovarian cancer. I didn't feel a lump. I was never sick, but yet somehow I had this hidden genetic mutation and ended up getting cancer as well. And I actually met you, I think I was 30, 
five when I first met you. And I met you before I found out I had cancer, but I had just found out that I had that BRCA2 mutation. And when we came in, we talked about what my risk was. And as you said, what the surveillance options were. And knowing that helped me get a strategy of, okay, so I have this. What am I going to do? How can I plan for being more vigilant and being better prepared? That being said, what is it that somebody can expect when they come to the genetic counselor's office? So we ask a lot of questions about the family history because that really is an important tool for us when we're assessing somebody's risk either to develop cancer or their risk for having one of these hereditary conditions in their family. And I know that not everybody has all of the information about their relatives available to them, but whatever information a person may have, we'll take that. Right. It's also helpful for people to talk to their relatives before coming in because we want the information that we get to be as accurate as possible because our risk assessment is only going to be as accurate as the information that we have in front of us. Right. So we use the family history and somebody's own medical history to help better understand their cancer risks and the chances of having a mutation. We can talk about genetic testing for that person as well. So sometimes people may come in before having genetic testing done, and sometimes they might come in after. Yep. And then genetic testing, is that something that gets done here, like at the office, or does it get referred out? Like it's it's a blood test, right? Uh, it is a blood test in most cases. Sometimes we can also do saliva. But then when they go to see a genetic counselor, they'll go over that. So if they've already had it, then you'll go through like, okay, well, this is what translation. What does this mean? What are your options? If they haven't done it, you'll take all their information, translation. Yeah. So we can interpret somebody's genetic test results for them, but we can also help to order the genetic testing. Okay. And so we can we can order the testing in the office right. and do the testing the same day as, as meeting with the person. Okay. So the point at the entry point at which somebody may come to a genetic counselor can be at either point. Yes. Okay. And so again, I, I had said this a, a little bit ago, but when I first met you, we did a, a pedigree, which I just I mean, come on, I love genetics. They're just <laughs> awesome. So but for those that don't know, help us understand what is a pedigree. So it is the family history represented as a picture or an image. And it helps us visualize how different traits may be running in the family. So how different risk factors or or different conditions might be passed down through the generations. And when you say this like a map or a picture, this is the one where they have circles for the females, squares for the males. When they're married, there's a line that connects them, and then you have the children going down. Yep, yep. Okay, so that's one of the things that if they um, schedule an appointment with a genetic counselor, they're likely to go over that in some way or another because it's related to their family history. Yes. Okay, who's more at risk for having a BRCA mutation? Somebody with a strong family history of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, somebody who's diagnosed with cancer at a young age. Mm -hmm. So with breast cancer, that might be before age 45. Mm -hmm. What Um, about heritage? Is there any any heritage that comes into play? So we know that people in the Ashkenazi Jewish population do have a higher, there is a higher prevalence of these BRCA gene mutations in that group of people. So that's also one of the the screening questions that'll yes. come up. And that's why that, that question is being asked is because of that those statistics. Correct. So if anybody of Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry has even one relative with breast cancer, then they automatically qualify for the genetic testing. 
mm-hmm. unless other people in the family have already been tested. And they're okay. So okay, let's let's talk about that other people in the family being tested. And this goes back to our understanding of genetics. If someone has the BRCA mutation, who in their family is therefore at risk? What does that mean for them? So each of that person's children would have a 50% chance of having that same mutation. It's the same for their full siblings mm-hmm. and their parents. Because it had to come from one of them. Um, had to come from one of the Usually parents. that is the case. But for every family that has one of these BRCA mutations, somebody in that family had to be, had to be the first person to get that mutation. Mm-hmm. So we call that a de novo or a new mutation. Mm-hmm. With the BRCA genes, that happens very rarely. Most of the time, these have been in the family for many, many generations. So I know... Okay, tr- following a particular family tree here, because this is what I can. This is what I can speak. This is this is what I know here. The children each have a fifty percent. Typically speaking, one of the parent it come from one of the parents. Pick a parent. Let's say it came from my dad. Then his siblings, like, and we don't know for certain who had it. Right. But if it was say my dad, then that means that. It would mean that his siblings have a fifty percent chance of having that mutation. Mm-hmm. It would mean that your mom's relatives. Would not. Would not be at risk right. for that. Assuming that it came down that line, which is right. not, we don't necessarily know yet. Right. And then I bring this up too because after going through all of this, I shared this information with my family. My cousin actually was intrigued and said, I'm going to do the testing as well. And she's negative for it. So if a cousin does that, and, and let's say they're negative, that does not necessarily mean that her siblings are or aren't it's not definitive one way or another right. for the cousin's sibling just as it's not d- definitive for my siblings they have a chance of having it but it's possible that they don't as well right let's assume for a minute that your cousin's either her mom or, or dad i don't know if it's your aunt or uncle okay it, um, it would be uncle dad's brother so your dad's brother so if we assume that your dad's brother had this mutation, then he would have the same 50% chance of not passing on that mutation to each of his children. So he can have some children who are negative for the mutation where other children Children could could still have that that mutation. Yeah, just like, like, you know, the children of somebody that has the mutation, they have a 50% chance. So you have two kids, one could have it, one could not. They could both have it, they could both not. It just depends on how those chromosomes combined in the formation of, of creating them. Right. Right. Okay. So there's no, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no cure for, I guess, quote, having this BRCA mutation, right? I mean, it's simply your DNA. But we were talking about choices. And like, if you come in to see a genetic counselor and you know, you kind of translate their genetic testing results and kind of go over what their options are. Let's talk, what are some of those options that are available once they find out? So the first option would be to do increased breast surveillance. So for somebody that has, let's say, a BRCA gene mutation, then we might start their screenings at 25. Mm -hmm. And we would start with annual breast MRIs to screen for breast cancer. And then once they reach age 30, we would add uh, mammograms every year. Mm -hmm. And we space those out every six months. That way, they're being screened for breast cancer with imaging every six months. 
So that's the increased surveillance. Yes. And then the age at which somebody might start their screenings depends on their genetic test results and the family history as well. So sometimes they might start a little bit later than 25. Typically, it's not before that age, but Mm -hmm. in in some cases, it, it could be. Right. Just kind of depending on their story. The, right. Mm-hmm. Depending on, on their story and the family history, that plays a, a pretty big role in how we individualize the screenings or if we decide to start those a little bit earlier. But again, usually it's not before age 25. So after increased surveillance, what are some of their other options? So risk reduction surgery. So some women may choose to have a bilateral mastectomy even if they don't have breast cancer to help lower the chances of developing breast cancer as much as possible. That's called prophylactic, right? Yep. So choosing to have the surgery done prior to having cancer because you know you're at that elevated risk. And and it is an increased risk going from, what did you say? Was it 12, 12% up to 84%? There's a big difference there. Yeah, there, it is a big difference. That's why we would offer right. that to somebody who has a BRCA mutation. If they have that BRCA mutation and their lifetime risk is at 84% and they choose to have that prophylactic surgery done, what does that drop their risk to? So it reduces their risk by up to about 90%. It doesn't completely eliminate the risk, but it does dramatically reduce it. Right. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they have, you said, bilateral mastectomy. At this point, most people who've been listening to the podcast know that a mastectomy is when you remove all of the tissue Mm -hmm. and versus a lumpectomy where it's just a part. And then bilateral meaning both. Right. And then, okay, so people that have these BRCA mutations, they're also at an increased risk for ovarian cancer. Yes, that's correct. And unfortunately, we don't have very effective ways to screen for ovarian cancer. Right. So for that reason, we do recommend that somebody have their ovaries removed at a certain age to help lower the chances of developing that type of cancer. As well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then to go back to the other options for risk reduction, some women can also take a medication to help lower their breast cancer risk. Okay. Now... Okay, I want to ask this question because I've gotten conflicting information on it. So I really don't know like what the answer is. So can genetic testing be done on a minor? Legally, ethically? That depends on what we're testing for. With the BRCA genes, we really don't offer that type of testing to minors Mm -hmm. because it doesn't impact their medical management at their current age. We don't associate mutations in the BRCA gene with a significant increased risk for childhood onset cancers. So we like to wait until somebody is at least 18, Mm -hmm. maybe even a little bit older, so they can make these decisions about genetic testing on their own and they can be a part of that decision. Right. And a part of that conversation as well, because it does impact the person who we're testing. It does. It impacts your life for sure. Right. So we want them to be a part of that. If there's a condition that does increase the risk for childhood onset cancers and there are recommended screenings that we would do, then at that point... That's when the answer changes. Right. So we would offer testing in those cases. And my understanding is that the in the current laws, and again, let me know if I'm right or wrong here, is that they're entitled to screening. So when I say they, I mean, say my children, because I have the mutation. They therefore have a 50% chance of having inherited that mutation as well. 
So current law is saying then that 10 years prior to my diagnosis, I was diagnosed at 36. So at the age of 26, then they would be entitled to have that increased screening done. They can start at, at 25 because we know what we're what's in the family. Okay. So we're following guidelines from National Comprehensive Cancer Network or NCCN. There's right. different national guidelines that do outline how to follow individuals who are at an increased risk for cancer. NCCN is really great because it outlines specifically what to do in the case of, let's say, a, a BRCA mutation in the family. Right. And for your two daughters, they don't have to have the genetic testing in order to get their screenings. So some women choose, they just don't feel like they're ready to know, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they can't start their screenings if they're at at the appropriate age. Exactly. Okay, so going back to my kids, they, they can have the screening done whether or not they do the genetic testing or not. Basically because of me and what we know happened to me and with my history. Right. If they choose to do, when they become of age, if they choose to do genetic testing and it comes out that they are negative for that mutation, then they go into that general population and have to wait till they're 40 for a baseline, right? So it depends on the, the family history. With the BRCA gene mutations, we would say, yes, the the risk is expected to be much closer to the general population if somebody's negative for that. Mm-hmm. With some of these other breast cancer genes, we can't necessarily say that they're at general population risk if they're gotcha. negative. Because, again, just to clarify, it's not just BRCA mutations. There are other right. ones Right, there's, well. there's other genes as well. And we also look at the family history. So are there any cancers in the family that maybe aren't explained by this genetic mutation? If somebody does genetic testing, does this expose them and or their family to some kind of, I don't know, genetic discrimination of some kind? Like, are there any concerns that they should be aware of there? So we have GINA, which is the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, which is a federal law passed in 2008 to help protect against discrimination from employers and health insurance companies. So there are some protections in that regard. GINA doesn't apply to everybody. There are some exceptions. So for people that are employed, if they have 15 or less people at their place of employment, for people with certain government insurance, there are other laws for some of those individuals. And so this is a conversation that they may want to consider having with their genetic counselor. Um, yes. And then there's also the question about things like life insurance, long-term disability insurance. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Um, so. so there's no laws in place when it comes to, to those types so, of insurance. Okay, so this is my under- this is my understanding as well. And, and and like I said, if I say if I get it wrong, please help me so that I can I can know for certain and obviously let other people know for certain as well. But my current understanding is that not guaranteed, but that it is possible that they could be denied life insurance if it turns out that they are positive for that mutation. So there are currently no laws in place that prevent life insurance companies, long-term disability insurance companies from asking questions about genetic testing. Right. How they use that information is up to them. Right. So I, I can't say exactly what they might do with that, right. um, but they, they are allowed to ask. And I like I just like to pose that question so people are aware of it. But then on the flip side of that same coin, with my own personal story, had I not done genetic testing when I did and how I did, 
then my cancer would have killed me because I didn't know that I had the gene. And when I found it, that's what led me on the path to screening. I had an MRI and that's what found my cancer. I wouldn't, I was 36 and had I not done genetic testing, I wouldn't have known to, to do that. To find it. So that's, you know, flip side, two sides to every coin, right? Yeah, absolutely. What's one thing about genetics that you wished everybody understood? Our genes can't tell us everything. So there's not one formula that says this person will develop cancer or they will not develop cancer. We can use this information to help assess their risk for cancer. But even somebody with a gene mutation may never develop cancer in their lifetime. And then on the flip side of that, just because somebody has negative genetic test results doesn't mean that they're at an average risk for cancer. We still take the family history into consideration when we're interpreting what their cancer risks are because they could still qualify for increased cancer surveillance. Yeah. So those are definitely very good points there. And I'd like to end with, this is my favorite question that I like to ask everybody. What's one thing that you want women who are diagnosed either today or tomorrow to walk away from this episode knowing? It is okay to feel overwhelmed. You have a team there who are are there to help you get through this time and take it day by day. Baby steps are still steps. Yep. That's what I like to say. And you're not alone. And and, and I've I've talked to a handful of people in the, the medical field. And I like that they all say essentially the same thing. You're not alone. We're there to kind of help you through it. And like you said, step at a time. Mm-hmm. Do it. Yep. You have a whole team on your side. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us and talking with us today about hereditary genetics. <laughs> so thank you. Well, thanks again for having me. And thank you too for all of y'all at home listening. For more information about genetics and about specifically how that can have an impact on a cancer diagnosis, then visit our online breast cancer resource center at togetherweweather.org, or you can talk to your medical provider about it to see if visiting a genetic counselor is in your own best interest. I look forward to speaking with you guys again next week. Until then, remember that together we weather this storm. You are never alone.